Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org. Welcome into the latest episode of Five on the Floor on the Five Reasons Sports Network, also on the Nothing But Net channel on Dash Radio. You can hear us every day there at 10 a.m. Eastern, 7 a.m. Pacific. We're on every day for an hour, Monday through Friday, with our new format. Also, check out all of our Twitter accounts at Five Reasons Sports. Also, though, we've got at five on the floor, five. The first five is spelled out. The last one is a number. I know we make it confusing. And then also, we added a new Twitter account. We actually absorbed a new Twitter account, which was the Clutch NBA account. And that's going to be Clutch NBA at 5R. And they're going to be doing all NBA content while the other two accounts handle heat content. Also, check out 5reasonsports.com. Spell that one out as well, 5reasonsports.com. All the podcasts in our network. I know that Five Rings Canes posted an episode today uh, with Larry Bluestein and also with Alex Dono. And Three Yards Per Carry, before they go on hiatus, they did another all Q&A episode on the Miami Dolphins. Also, check out all the sponsors in the Five Reasons Sports Network. We've got a lot of great sponsors that have helped keep us going through COVID-19. I will say, though, that our network is probably more excited about this sponsor than any other because I spent the afternoon with this sponsor, not the actual sponsor, but with the product that they produce, which is beer. We've added Biscayne Bay Brewing to our network. They're the official craft beer of Inter-Miami and the Miami Marlins which is South Florida's actual independent brewery. Biscayne Bay is owned by local guys who employ people in this community, the South Florida community, to make their beer right here in South Florida. These guys at Biscayne Brewing are committed to the community, support five reasons sports, so we can keep bringing you all the local sports content you can handle. If you care about supporting local business and drinking amazing beer, I did a little this afternoon. I hope you don't hear it in my voice. Grab their stuff, which is Marlins Lager, Miami Pale Ale, Tropical Bay IPA, which is what I had today. Eventually, we'll get them to do a Five Reasons beer. And you can get it at all major retailers throughout South Florida. It's the only beer we regularly drink at Five Reasons Sports going forward. And we're going to have some great stuff for you once COVID starts to loosen up a little bit. If it ever does, we're going to be in position to be able to have some watch parties and do some really cool things with Biscayne Brewing. So check it out. We're going to be running tons Wait, of Wait, Alex, have you gotten yours yet? <laughs> <laughs> what, the beer? Yeah. No, I mean, I would love to try it, of course, but uh, I can't you know, wait. The two of you guys, all right, I've had enough, okay? This is my segment. <laughs> I've had enough of this. There are two cases in my car. There's one sitting on my bar here in the apartment, and there's some in the fridge. You all know where I live, okay? It's very Social simple. distancing. Social distancing. It's, it's, well, if, look, if you want the beer, you got to come to me. I'm not going to go out of my way to give up some <laughs> of my beer to bring it to you guys, okay? If you want beer, I will part with some beer. Get your ass to Las Olas, okay? And you'll oh, get geez. some beer, all right? It's, it's, like gra- 
you know, that's ground zero for COVID. I just want to enjoy uh, Biscayne Brew in my house. Why not? You, well, you you can. I know where you live. Um, I know where you live. Maybe you, you'll get like the you know the, the what am I? I'm like the the tooth fairy. I'm just gonna drop off some. You're some, like Instacart. Just bring me beer, please. I, I <laughs> that's all Uber I'm is. asking. Biscayne Bay <laughs> Brewing. Okay, check it out. Check it out on the IG page. Check it out when Alex and Al start drinking it. Look, I, Alex is driving a car. He's driving people around. I don't want to give him any beer. I got to be careful whoa, whoa, about that. Whoa. We got to be careful about that. Let's Alf. be clear. I have not worked in three months. I don't leave the house, so beer is actually right up my alley right now. That's a good point. It's just it's just you and your dog. All right, we will get you some beer. We're also gonna get do some giveaways uh, of Biscayne Bay Brewing. Again, the official craft beer of Inter Miami and the Miami Marlins, and of Five Reasons Sports. And now, as I crack open a beer, today's episode. Welcome to Five on the Floor. A Miami Heat and NBA podcast from Ethan Skolnick with Alvon Sydney, a.k.a. Alf954. Brought to you by the Five Reasons Sports Network. All right, Ethan Skolnick back. I'm starting every episode now with what we call a floor plan. Eventually, we're going to have some imaging for this, um, but for right now, I'm just winging it. Try to give you an idea of what we're going to do on a particular episode. I've got Alphonse Sydney. I've got Alex Toledo. And I've already recorded with Greg Sylvander, who's been doing a lot more for Five on the Floor lately, um, a segment with Stefano Fusaro of ESPN, who is the only reporter in the MLS bubble right now in Orlando. And the reason that we spoke to him earlier today is because the NBA is going to be going into a similar bubble. I wanted to talk to Stefano, who also covers the NBA, particularly the Houston Rockets, used to be in Miami and cover the Miami Heat. wanted to talk to him about what the bubble is like. And so stay for the end of this episode because we have a really good conversation with Stefano about that, MLS, Harden, the Heat, Jimmy Butler. Uh, Stefano is very plugged in in the Jimmy Butler camp. He and I were two of the people who broke a lot of the news of Jimmy going to Miami in the first place. So definitely stick around for that. But we're going to do a very... Heat and NBA-centric first part of the episode today. We're going to start with a topic that I think Heat fans on Twitter are talking about more than any other, which is the variety of two guards in the league who may be available to the Miami Heat in a couple of years via trade or free agency. And two of those guys are not playing in this tournament in Orlando and because they opted out. They're the two biggest opt-outs so far. And the other guy uh, is feuding with his teammate, in Utah, which was, 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 which, uh, well, kind of still, uh, which ESPN.com um, did a really good job of chronicling today. So let's get into this. The three different issues. Oladipo, we knew about not playing for Indiana because he wants to get his knee right. That's his stated reason. Bradley Beal opted out for Washington today. There's nobody playing for Washington. Davis Davos Bertans already opted out because he's going to be a free agent. And Beal's reason is that he doesn't want to play because he's trying to heal his shoulder and he needs shoulder surgery. And the third guy is Mitchell, who is playing for Utah, an undermanned Utah squad because Bogdanovich is hurt. But again, there was this very lengthy piece on ESPN.com about the issues that he and Gobert had even before the coronavirus stuff, but, but certainly afterwards. So let's go through it uh, here. Let's talk about Beal, because that's the big one of the day. Are you guys surprised that he's opting out? Does it change your view of him in any way? Does it change your view of whether he's going to stay in Washington? Uh, no, no, and no, If I <laughs> to be succinct. Uh, I think, that he, again, like not to really sound like I'm repeating myself, but I give him 
you know, every right to do what he's doing. It's just a terrible situation for so many different reasons. And depending on how you feel about it, number one being the Wizards have no chance at doing anything. So it's like, you know, on top, on top of everything else going on in the world. And, you know, uh, Bertans is already sitting out, who's probably his second best player at this point. So, so it's just very much not a great situation for him. And I think it makes a lot of sense for him to want to sit out. And yeah, I don't. I really don't see what <laughs> with the with the current climate, everything going on. Like it's a risky proposition, right? If I was if I was going to be able to, if my job said, "Would you like to come back to work?" Um, you know, there's not much to do here. You're going to be wasting your time a little bit. Um, but we're going to pay you either way, whether you show up or you don't. I'm not showing up to work. Like I'm, I'm staying home and avoiding the coronavirus. I don't care how badly I want to sell hair products. I, I'm just, I'm just going to sit this one out. Are we um, comparing your desire to sell hair products to Bradley Beal's desire to average 30.5 points a game? Is Are these in Listen, I am versus? the Bradley Beal of hair products, sir. You're, so you're averaging 30.5 30. <laughs> hair products. I'm averaging. I'm, 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 doing, I'm putting up Bradley Beal numbers when it comes to sales. But if you were going to give me my money, and say you can be sa- you can stay home and be safe and not have to travel the country and and see customers. I'm like, yeah, I'm gonna stay wow. home and make my money, and this that's is, basically this, what I'm doing right now. So this is the most relatable thing I've ever heard of. Everything you're saying right now, because I'm basically the Bradley Beal of uh, Uber and Lyft, and as <laughs> <laughs> as somebody who hasn't worked in three months because of the promise of unemployment money, yeah, I, I completely agree. I'm basically Bradley Beal in the, in the same way. So it's kind of like it's kind of like Bradley Beal's collecting unemployment. So why actually show up? Uh, first thing, I, <laughs> well, I, I, this is what Mitch McConnell's because, afraid of, <laughs> right? The, the context is important, Ethan. Right? I don't have look. I don't have an issue with it. I really don't. Um, I mean, Washington. I don't really understand to some degree why Washington was even included in this. Uh, the the odd thing is, I feel like they were included initially because to to make it fair to Bradley Beal. <laughs> and so that's the only part of this that strikes me, you know, a little odd, but I, I never really understood anyway, why, why they were going to have Washington involved when they were so far back of the eight spot. Anyway, um, it's almost like they just needed to include them because they had the five teams in the West. But the thing about it, the five teams in the West all have a better record than Washington does. So uh, there was never really any reason to include them. But the odd part of this now which is why I think there's going to be some people who wonder why didn't they just recede instead of do the one through eight in each conference. The odd part of this now is you've got, I mean, you're going to have a, a playoff team in the East that like has no business even being a summer league team. Like, because the Nets, the other news today on the Nets is, okay, we've already, we already know no Kyrie. We already know no Durant. Okay. We already know no DeAndre Jordan, right? Now Tarian Prince is not playing either. Um, and Dinwiddie is questionable still, right? Like, I don't know if he's reporting because he just had coronavirus. And, I don't know had, and he has complications. He's not asymptomatic. He has symptoms. Right. right. So why is he going to show up? So you've got this battle, battle, I don't know what it is, for the 7, 8, 9 in the East. And Orlando, the I guess ostensibly the home team. Even it's more like home. a slap fight. for the. It's like a slap fight. For it's re- it's ridiculous. But but <laughs> let's talk about it in the context. I do know we, we want to really focus on, on these three two guards. But the context of this is, that you really do want to get the one or two seed in the East now, right? Be- and those two are locked up, essentially. It's a buy. Right? You have a first-round buy. Right. I mean, Milwaukee and Toronto have first-round buys. And so it, it just becomes a question now of – Well, you know, if you have a three-seed and there's no Oladipo. Well, right. So, so the only carrot, really, in these last eight games, the only carrot 
is chasing Boston to get the three seed. The other stuff doesn't matter. You can't get to two if you're the Heat. Yep. It doesn't really matter if you're four or five. You're going to be playing Philadelphia most likely either way. And, you know, if you slip to six, yeah, if you slip to six, then obviously, uh, you know, you, you might get stuck there playing Boston, which you don't really want to do. But that's really it. it it's, it's can you chase down Boston, which I looked at Boston's schedule, is likely not going to happen. And you're playing Boston on the second day of a back-to-back, and they're not. They're not on a back-to-back. So I, I really think we just have to make this assumption right now. And, again, I want to get back to the two guards. The Heat it's are going to be in the only interesting. The Heat are going to be in the only interesting series in the first round in the East. This the is only just one. destiny, Ethan. We we known it all along that this was the proper ending for this season. It's only right. Nobody wanted. I mean, look, T.J. Warren. Yes, that's it's fun. It was funny to see Jimmy Butler just completely disrespect him and blow him kisses, and then you know say he's not on his level. That was awesome. But I don't even think it's going to get better than that if we went into the playoff series, right? I don't think T.J. Warren can really get that hype going. The Sixers matchup is destiny, right? As far as this Heat season, I think that's exactly what's going to happen. It has to be, all right? It, it has, that has to be the it's matchup. It's the proving grounds, right? Now we're back. This is right back to square one. Process, process, be culture, process. And I don't, I don't want to skip ahead to NB because we're going to get into that in a second. But you're right. I mean, that's where we've been headed. It's why we did the T-shirts months ago. Uh, it, they were the measuring stick for the Wait, Heat. I thought those were about the Dolphins. Well, yeah, the Dolphins thought they were about the Dolphins. It's 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 kind of like you know what hit dogs will holler, right? Like, they, whoa, they, whoa, they, whoa! They, Better be they, careful. They they've got the leverage now, Ethan. They got two of you. No, I know now they do, but at the time it was it was kind of like they thought we did a shirt about them, and it was about the Sixers, and nobody there believed me, and it was even NBA fans and the Dolphins who didn't believe me. But but I think what is um, when you look back at it now, we knew this was going to happen. These two teams are going to play each other. They are have been on the proverbial as a Stugatziism uh, collision course uh, for the entire year, and that's where we're headed. But I don't want to skip ahead to that here on the episode because I do want to touch briefly on the other two guards. Um, the difference between uh, when we talk about Beal, Donovan Mitchell, and Oladipo, do we all agree Beal is the best player? Without a doubt. Oh, you really? Put, you put that one. You put that one. Oh, that's a tough one, Ethan. Uh, Why? Why? I don't think it's tough. I don't think it's tough. Defense and shooting. Defense and shooting. That's all I have to say. But he's not, he was shooting? not a great defender this year. That's what I was going to say. If he wasn't about... a great defender this year, but you know he has it in him. But he has, is... it in, he has it in him to be an elite two-guard defender. Oh, if he doesn't have to carry – yes. Oladipo's yes. Never been... the best defender of the three. Hold on. Beal's never been an elite two-guard defender. He, he was... can be, and we all, we've seen him be a really good defender. Oh, man. And, and, and if he doesn't have to carry the entire offensive load – Yes, he could be an elite two-guard defender. I, I don't even think so. the Wizards were ever a top-10 defense during that playoff run they had. I've seen him be a solid defender, a good defender. I, I don't know about elite. Either way, I would definitely put Oladipo and Mitchell uh, above him defensively. And because of that, I would probably say Mitchell only because of the age and, and because of the defense thing. But the real best player right now is Beal. The best player right now is Beal, but you're right. Age-wise, uh, Donovan is f- four years younger than Beal with a lot less tread on the tires. Um, but Beal came into the league a lot younger. And he Donovan came into the league younger athletic. than anybody. What's that? And Donovan is more athletic, too. So it's like he can kind of score for you in more ways than I think Beal can. Uh, Bradley Beal led the league shooter. in scoring. I, I, or, or second in the league in scoring behind Harden. I, Dude, he, he was averaging 30.5. Like, like, Beal's the best one. Beal's the best one right now. Yeah, I'm I don't saying think Donovan it. is going to be better real soon, I think. And, and as far as somebody who I would, who would I want to be my number one right now, I'm taking Mitchell because of the two-way part. 
I, yeah, I, and I, I and I've seen him win. I've seen him win a first round. Argument, Alex. You can make an age argument and you can make a contract argument, but you cannot. Well, how about make this? A, how about the a, a argument of playoff argument. success? Because him and Gobert have, you know, they beat the Thunder in his rookie year, and I know it's not just him because Gobert has, you know, been extremely, uh, you know, important for them. But I've seen him beat, you know, uh, beat great talent as a number one. Vio has not done that. He hasn't even made it to the playoffs as a number one yet. His yeah, but playoff he's, success he's in a was far as better organization. Wall. He's in a far better organization. Far with better, better complimentary coach. pieces and a better coach. I, I just, I, I mean, I don't. Very, of course. Uh, so I, to me, it's Beal. But I do think you can make an argument with the other stuff. And again, I, look, I think we also have to say which of the three is most likely to be sprung free. I think Oladipo is the one most likely to spring free. He's the yep. one who's the free agent in 21. He's the one that's playing for a franchise in Indiana that has its own financial issues because the Simon, you know, the, the Simon group runs malls, which as we know are kind of going bankrupt right now. Um, and, and also it doesn't seem like he has a real strong commitment to Indiana at this stage. I, I think, I, I think Beal. I'm looks, laughing because you, you're talking about balls while, while the Heat's owner runs uh, cruise. Oh, well, I know. I, I, oh, I know. I know. <laughs> That's I know. kind of funny. No, I know. I know. I, and, and had to get it's, bought up by the Saudis. I know. Well, not all of it, 8% of the company. But yeah, no, that plays into it. But, but I think Oladipo is the one most likely to be sprung. It's interesting wanna, that you think that, Ethan. Because oh, I don't I, think there's any question because I, I think, and Al, Alf and I were talking about this before we started the episode. Uh, you know, Mitchell, it, it sounds great. Okay, you go get Mitchell. He's unhappy there. He's on this insanely good contract, okay? Yeah. Um, Gobert is a movable piece. If they have to clean this up to get rid of one of them, they would try to get rid of Gobert first, I would assume, unless Mitchell just decides he doesn't want to be there anymore. And, you know, Mitchell's been very active on a lot of the race stuff. And, you know, Utah, I, I've said this before. I, you know, he, I was actually, he was actually cursing out. Well, not literally cursing out, but, you know, just kind of talking – back to jazz fans who were doing the whole reactionary thing of like, Oh, you, you like black lives matter. Well, you know, that's bad. Or, and he, he just basically told but me Alex, to that's, that, that, that was going to be my point is that I've been to 30 different NBA cities and the most racism I've heard expressed in an arena is Utah. Boston is second and OKC is third. It's not close. I mean, I, there were times I, I don't understand how Udonis those controlled ones, himself. Those are the ones that are always named by NBA reporters too. It's always, always Utah. The same ones. It's always Utah. And so my question, you know, it's possible that maybe Donovan decides to for- try to force his way out. And as Riley always says, a guy's got to commit to come here. But contractually, it's really complicated for him. And that's why I, I think Oladipo is the most likely to be sprung. But I think all three of them, here's the thing, all three of them have a relationship with Dwayne. <laughs> all yep. three of them, to different degrees, would fit heat culture. Um, yep, and would just be a great basketball fit in different ways, obviously. But I think they would all just ex- help the Heat no matter what. Like, no doubt it would be a, an upgrade. And out, oh, Right, an upgrade. And, again, who are we talking about? Is it an upgrade over Hero, somebody we're, we're going to talk about? Does Hero – then I want to get to Embiid now. But, like, does Hero at any point get to the level of Beal? No, right? I don't think so. Does he yeah, at any point so get to the level of Oladipo? A healthy Oladipo. It, in different two ways. ways. Two ways. It's hard. That's, because the ways. shooting is going to be so elite, I feel like. I feel like he just uh, he's just going to keep getting better and better. Um, and he, that makes him so valuable that even if he's a serviceable defender, he's going to be an invaluable player. Um, 
Do I ever think he's going to reach Oladipo's level? Like, uh, you know, he's a little bit of a playmaker, a little bit of a shot creator. I was watching some highlights of him in fourth quarters the other day. And I, I feel like I forgot a lot of the things he yeah. did late in games. Yeah. Oh, my God, just, right? I was literally just <laughs> watching those Heat Sixers games today. It wasn't yeah. even the Heat Sixers. There was a few of them that were just showing, like, fourth quarter. The Hawks, t- t- the Bulls. Yeah, like, so many fourth quarters where he just, like, just kept getting his own shots, little floaters in the lane, like, just, like, I mean, just creating just enough space to let well, off he was like leading, a Well, he was leading. He was leading in fourth quarter minutes before he got hurt. Yeah, I, I think we discount that man, and he's only he was 19 years old all season. So, do I think he become? He, it, I think Beal is his ceiling, um, and I, I just think he's a different. About kind of, it, yeah, he's a different kind of cat. Like just he's a, just a different kind of player. So it's hard. Now, that's what I'm saying. Is he ever going to be more valuable than an old depot? A healthy Oladipo. A healthy Oladipo. That's just hard. You know, it's hard to say. Like, I really would like to see sophomore. I'd like to see sophomore hero before I even start to to talk about, you know, or even venture to guess. That's the thing with with Oladipo, right, is that he might be the one that you can maybe get without having to give up hero. Maybe. That's it. He's the only one. Oladipo is the the one. uh, It might be a stretch, though, if I'm being honest. Oladipo is the one that you can get and probably give have to give up the least. Um, I just, it's just, I just can't really see them. Well, you might not have to give up anything. Kendrick guys. Nunn is uh, well. If you no, wait but, to twenty twenty one, like listen, yeah, you don't this, have to give up anything. The yeah, math I mean, you, is the math yeah. has changed because twenty twenty one feels a lot closer right now. Oh, yeah. than it did when we were in the, when we were talking about this stuff this season, right? Because. Most likely, uh, twenty the next season is going to be a truncated season again, and then boom, you're in 2020, 2021 free agency really, really quickly. So I think the the rush to try to do something in a trade and try to make something happen this summer is kind of some of that is is kind of waned a little bit. Um, you know, these guys have gotten a lot more rest than you thought they would. Jimmy Butler's prime probably has been extended a little bit. Um, like I said, he's playing two smaller seasons, two shorter seasons. So a lot of these conversations where we had, can you wait till 2021? Does that seem a big deal to wait till next summer now? No. I mean, everything, no. the, the world, the world has shrunk in a lot of ways. All right, let's get to this. Cause I do want to get to Embiid. Uh, yes or no real quick hero gets to Donovan Mitchell's level. Eventually. Are we projecting Donovan Mitchell's potential or talking about what Donovan Mitchell is right now? I, I think that's a good question. I, I think, <laughs> let, let, well, let's look at it this way. Donovan Mitchell's three years older than him. So in three okay. years, is Hero at the level that Donovan Mitchell is now? Oh, man. I think so. Question. I think so because of the shooting. I think it puts him at a level. He's not the same. He's a, he'll never, I'm not saying he's going to always be a complimentary player, but he's going to have to rely on other guys more than Donovan Mitchell is. But I think he can, he'll be able to bring, more to his team and other aspects that will make them equal. Yeah, I mean, I'm not all the way there, but I'm pretty close. I would say I think he, I could see him being like about three-fourths, maybe a little bit more of what Donovan Mitchell is. The mm. only thing I would say, I agree with you that he's he's way more of an advanced shooter uh, than Mitchell is, who came out of college not being a shooter and now is a pretty good one uh, off the dribble. But still, Hero just gets knows how to get to his shot in whatever situation. I mean. His shot is literally as close to, you know, butter. <laughs> it's so buttery, right? Like, 
he wet. gets it however he wants. And again, I was watching these damn highlights, and I remember it took me back to when you know sitting there watching the games with you guys and being like, Jesus Christ, this guy just. <laughs> make some ridiculous shots like if he's well, you know, well, in a the, gym the, the creation the creation ability is something i don't think that we knew he had and and that's uh, he was he always gets space he always gets space he was characterized you know, he doesn't as a, have he doesn't have any weight like to back you know to to create space like a jimmy does he still footwork. gets to that type of space. exactly it's the footwork. elite fo- elite footwork um on the perimeter where when you talk about people always talk about footwork in the lane uh in the paint um, but his footwork in just on the perimeter, just little jab steps, little moves that he can just create just enough space to get that shot off. And he knows it's, it's like a guy who knows how to play within himself and within his limitations. So he has perfected what he has to do to get his shot off. So like he knows his game better than anybody else. And I, I think that's where his confidence comes from. He's like, I know when I can get a bucket and when I can't. And he, and he plays within himself. And it's, I don't know, it's just, it's one of those guys that you can see growing into a into a player that more and more and more and more gains that confidence. And I think a confident hero is <laughs> is a scary ass mf'er. You know what I mean? Like three years down the line, super confident clutch, super confident clutch time hero is going to be you know uh, it's going to be a scary guy to deal with. All right, let's get to the next thing. I mentioned this before. Um, Joel Embiid was on a, a call today. And the Sixers center and said that the Sixers offense should be running through him. Uh, this is oh, not. Oh, I missed that. This is not a huge surprise because he said something similar when they got uh, the lights beat out of. You know, they, they got they got destroyed by the Heat here in in uh, in Miami, and he said something similar. Uh, is this I, I, two quick questions? Is this uh, Alf the way that the Sixers should be playing? And secondarily, I'll ask this one to you, Alex. Is this? Do you see that this is just more of the chemistry issues that we've talked about with the Sixers? Um, actually, it's in 2020. It's a weird thing to say, but yes, that's the way the Sixers should be playing. Um, they should be oh. playing because they don't have they don't have because they don't have a point guard who can shoot. <laughs> uh, they should be playing through Embiid, and they should be util- utilizing the fact that they have the biggest, baddest some bitch down low that anybody has. And, and I feel like if they played through him more, he'd play less – he'd spend less time beyond the three-point line and more time down the block where there are very few um, – there are very few centers in the East that can have, have any chance of actually guarding him throughout a whole game. Like, he could he could put up some modern-day Shaq-type numbers because there aren't, there aren't centers today that can deal with what, with what he can do down low. But the fact – the problem is they do not ha- – have a point guard that can facilitate what he does best, right? See, I, I, I tend to disagree with you there. I think that makes the offense a little bit too predictable and a little bit too easy to guard, especially in a playoff situation where teams uh, will start backing off of uh, guys who aren't even great shooters. They'll, they're already backing off of Ben Simmons. But if you're, just giving, if you're just telling Simmons to basically give an entry pass to Embiid every possession – well, the that's my becomes, point, Al. They become my, even easier to guard. I think they got to get point, some movement Al. with Simmons because he can collapse the defense like hell but and that's then my go point. from there. Alex, my point is the is the problem. they should be playing through Embiid, but the problem is the, their point guard makes it impossible to do that. Okay, okay. okay. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. because, And so, okay, so I, 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 if you're going to ask a question right now, the way they – 
as presently constituted, no, they should not play through Embiid. And you're right, Alex, on that point because of their point guard. But if if in in a perfect world, or they had they had a point. That's guard a terrible could, world. If they, where the Sixers are, are better than I, I I don't even want to think about this. Oh no, it's yeah, terrible. you're right. In a in, in a hellscape. Where they, where the the only thing left to be worse than where we are right now. Yeah, exactly. The only thing, the only thing that would make 2020 worse (laughs) is the Sixers picking up a point guard that could shoot. (laughs) Well, and 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 I I I think the guy that they should go for, and you know, we we need to move to the next part here, but I think the guy that they should go after is Kyle Lowry. No, oh, Kyle. Okay. Ky, to me, Ky, to me, Kyle Lowry's the guy. Like he, uh, he's the perfect fit there. He's going yeah, over. The Raptors are way better. I, I, I just think that. But I just think if you if you put Kyle Lowry on that team, you know, with with some of the oh other pieces God. that they have, that would be amazing. It, that that just kind of finishes it. I, I guess I'll answer the question about chemistry then before we get on to Stefano. Um, I, I I think that what we're gonna see here is that certain organizations that we thought might be able to kind of pull it together during this break are actually going to pull more apart. I, 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 don't, I don't know how an organization that was ha- having the struggles that Philly had with Brett Brown being on the hot seat where there seemed to be some friction with Elton Brand and at least some differences in terms of the approaches of who is going to have control is going to come back in better shape. I've speculated that they might from a chemistry standpoint, but I was wrong. I, I think it's going to be worse. I, I, these guys who, are, who don't like each other are going to be stuck in a bubble together for a you know, month, two months. If you want to get all the way to the end of this three months, they're going to hate each other more. It's not going to bring See, them together. I don't know, Ethan. I don't like the way that you're coming to a conclusion about it already. I think we're, we're getting a little bit too ahead of ourselves. I think we are all a little bit scared to different degrees of this matchup uh, when the season started for a reason. I think no, no, I, the matchup. No, Alex, I'm not arguing that. The matchup is was pro, we thought it was problematic for the Heat. They made adjustments, including playing Myers Leonard the additional minutes, and that helped. And they turned this thing around. And but so I'm not I'm not saying that Philadelphia is not problematic. They're problematic for other teams. But I'm just saying I don't think the chemistry stuff is going to fix itself by people who don't like each other. I mean, we we have watched MTV's The Real World and Big Brother. People don't start to like each other more the more time they spend together if they didn't like each other in the first place. And I just think that is one of the Heat's advantages is, and I can tell you, I've covered a lot of Heat teams over the past 25 years that didn't like each other this much. I can tell you this team does. And so... The last thing I'm going to say to that, um, when, when you look at the Heat uh, the Heat players and their Zoom calls and everything that's going on. You said that third seed is unreachable. I don't. I think the Heat is going into this eight game uh, little yeah. tune up. They're, they're. I mean, they're going into it like men possessed. I feel like I. So I. I think they're taking this a lot more seriously than a lot of other teams, except in the West, when people are their teams are actually trying to make the playoffs. But if you look at the East, like three of the top eight teams, four of the top eight teams decided they don't even really want to compete. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Right. Right. They, they decided, right. like, well, you know, whatever. 
I'd rather stay home and uh, Milwaukee, Milwaukee, and watch Toronto, Seinfeld reruns. Milwaukee, well, that Milwaukee, Toronto, Boston, Miami want to compete. Uh, I think Philly wants to compete, although it seems like they want to compete against each other. They just the hate other, each other. The right, the other teams don't. All right, we're gonna get in uh, next to you know, sort of what the bubble is like. We're gonna talk to Stefano Fusaro, uh, myself, and Greg Sylvander, an opportunity to do that. Before we do, I want to tell you about another of the great sponsors of the Five Reasons Sports Network. You heard him on our podcast actually talking about what some of the players are going to be dealing with from a physical standpoint when they go in the bubble. It's John Chung, Dr. John Chung at, Chiro- at Keystone Chiropractic, although you can find him at chiropractickeystone.com. Did you know that Florida is a no-fault state? That means if you're in an accident, no matter who's at fault, your insurance company is responsible for paying your medical care. In Florida, you have only 14 days, though, after an accident to see a doctor to report an injury. After that time, you're responsible for your own medical bills. So make sure you get checked out by a licensed health professional if you suspect that you got hurt, even if you think your injuries are minor. Get more health tips like this and more by following at Keystone Neuro. That's K-E-Y-S-T-O-N-E-N-E-U-R-O or at Dr. Jonathan Jonathan Chung on Twitter and Instagram. And again, the website is chiropractickeystone.com. And now... As I've been promising, uh, this is Stefano Fusaro, the only reporter right now up there for ESPN in the MLS bubble. We're going to talk a little soccer, but also mostly NBA and what the Heat and other teams are going to be dealing with. Welcome back to Five on the Floor. Ethan Skolnick. Now I'm here with Greg Sylvander. Again, you can follow him at Greg Sylvander on Twitter. Also, uh, Gut Check or Guts Check. I always do that wrong. On our website, there'll be more coming with him on five on the floor, but also uh, somebody who was a guest with us a while ago when we were dealing with all the Jimmy Butler stuff and was out front on a lot of the Jimmy Butler stuff. He was based in Miami. He's now based in Houston, but actually he's coming to us from Orlando. And that's the reason we wanted to bring him on Stefano Fusaro from ESPN. Explain to people what you are doing there, how long you have been there and how long, how many years you're going to be there. Yeah, well, I'm in the MLS bubble. I'm the only ESPN reporter inside the MLS bubble. I've been here for a week now. It seems like we've been here already for about a year uh, (laughs) with everything that has happened. And, uh, you know, if the tournament does end up playing out in full as it's supposed to, uh, I will be here for about 46 days total. So, uh, yeah, it'll be pretty interesting to be here for that long living in a hotel. 46 days. All right. I mean, I lived in Cleveland for roughly 130 nights in one year. No one can top that ever Yikes! Uh, because because it was Cleveland uh, by myself with a newborn back in Miami. I think those are the worst circumstances anyone can ever endure for travel trip. Uh, But this this one's pretty interesting. So before we get to kind of what's happening with MLS, because I do think it affects what's going to happen with NBA. Explain what the, like, what is it like there? Like, you're just, uh, like, what is daily life for you like as an ESPN reporter in the bubble? Because they're going to be ESPN reporters in the NBA bubble coming up uh, in a couple of weeks. Yeah, well, I mean, we are confined to the resort grounds. I mean, so everybody that is in the MLS delegation, whether it be players, coaches, staff, league officials, referees, Everybody is under the same roof at the Swan and Dolphin Hotel. So obviously there's about five towers here, but we are confined to the actual resort grounds. The only place we can go, and it's obviously for work purposes, is to the uh, wide world of sports where the games and the training are going to be happening. And that is a shuttle that takes us directly there and directly back 
we can't rent cars and leave them in the hotel, nothing like that. Um, my day-to-day is we wake up, usually at every other day we do a COVID test, and every, that's everybody involved. Everybody inside this bubble needs to be tested every other day, a temperature check every day. And, yeah, I mean, what we're doing constantly is, is trying to, you know, get interviews, tell the stories that are happening here, and obviously we've tried to talk about soccer, but in, re- but in reality we've been more news reporters uh, over the last week. Just, you know, I'm sure we'll get into that now, but with the COVID tests that have come back positive for certain players and with the news that FC Dallas has withdrawn from the tournament. So it, it's just a, a lot has been going on here, and our day-to-day is really extremely busy, but then when we're done, we just come back to the hotel room, just go right upstairs into the hotel room, and it, that's still kind of getting some – I'm still getting used to that where we're really just staying in this environment consistently 24-7. So it's, it's definitely a challenge. It's different. Um, you know, being away from family is tough, but, you know, it is what it is. It's, it's an historic assignment, and it's something that uh, I'm sure I will never forget. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's really interesting to hear you describe that because even just doing podcasts on a, on a day-to-day basis regarding, you know, NBA basketball, uh, it, you know, we feel like we're like morphing into this um, almost like a, you're going on about medical stuff and, and all these other uh, ins and outs that you normally would never speak about. So um, it's just interesting to hear your perspective. I guess uh, one thing that, I, that I'm really interested to hear is how safe do you feel and also, how closely watched do you feel that the premises um, is, as well as all the individuals that are there? Yeah, I mean, look, I've said it multiple times. I have not felt unsafe here. Um, we wear masks at all times. The only time I take my mask off is to eat or to do one of my sports center hits to go on TV. And that's about it. My mask is on all the time. All of ours are. They're required around the entire, uh, the entire bubble. Uh, there's signs for social distancing everywhere. There's hand sanitizer everywhere you go. Uh, you know, it, it's really not, I don't feel unsafe at all. I, I, you know, I know from the outside perspective, it seems like this has been kind of a, uh, an absolute just, you know, can I curse here? <laughs> you could always curse here. This is a safe place for cursing. Good. Cause I know from the outside, it seems like it's a shit show, but it's really not, it really hasn't been. I think for the players, you know, it's a little bit more of a risk just because they're constantly doing things together, working out together, training together. But the the league does feel comfortable with the protocols that they've put in place for after a player tests positive. The only time that they didn't really that they have not contained that the, the the virus and contained it has been with FC Dallas in that situation. Obviously, that's terrible. It's an it's an awful situation to have. But every other test that has come back positive, which now is only six, uh, if you take away FC Dallas, out of the almost 1,000 players that have been tested, they really have done a good job of isolating them and secluding them in another area of the resort. And and they've been able to contain it for the most part. And I think that that's why they're so confident and wanting to move forward with this tournament. But as far as feeling safe, I do. I feel safe. It's really only my crew, which is my producer, myself and the cameraman. And and we stick to to ourselves a lot. And we're doing, you know, interviews from eight eight feet away. And it's just really, uh, it's surreal. Uh, But I have felt safe. I can't say that I haven't. All right, so let's get into the FC Dallas situation because we don't really have a situation like that in the NBA yet. And again, you cover the NBA as well. We do have, I think it's seven facilities that shut down, at least that we know about. 
Uh, the Heat were one of them. They, they did the shutdown uh, last week after two additional players uh, tested positive. And so they shut it down until they went to Orlando, until they go to Orlando, which is actually, you know, coming up here real soon. It's coming up probably by the time everybody listens to this episode. Uh, and so to get into FC Dallas, why, I mean, again, like you said, once, once everybody's gotten in the bubble, it seems to be okay, but they had this issue. What's the backstory there? Yeah, so according to them, according to FC Dallas, and, and I had a chance to speak to their head coach just uh, two days ago before uh, before any of this uh, came out that they were going to be withdrawn from the tournament. And look, they they maintain that they tested negative before leaving Texas, before leaving Dallas. And when they arrived here, they had two positive tests right off the plane. So remember, when we when we arrive here, the first thing we do is get tested, and then it's a 24-hour quarantine. And they had two who tested positive uh, right off the plane, so right as they upon arrival. And the very next day, there's another round of tests after your 24-hour quarantine, and there they had four more players test positive. So then they were isolated. Then that night, this is all on. This is all last Tuesday, so a week from when we're recording this, and they. Uh, eventually had three more positive tests and a coach. So it ended up being nine total players, excuse me, 10 total players and one coach who tested positive. They are kind of still befuddled. They couldn't understand how it happened because according to them, they followed every, every protocol that was put in place, not only by the league, but also by the government who they went to before putting this all together. And they had to follow those, those regulations and CDC regulations. And they said that they did. And then they got here and, and everything kind of spiraled out of control. They weren't able to train once. They were completely locked down in their hotel rooms. Not only the guys who were t- tested positive, they were in a separate isolated area of the hotel. The entire team had to quarantine because just of the fear of spreading it. If someone had it who was asymptomatic, these tests also, we've seen some false positives as well and false negatives as well. So they were really just kind of as out of abundance of precaution stayed for seven days in their rooms and that's where they were and they when I spoke to the coach Luchi Gonzalez just a couple days ago when I talked to him I got the sense that he wasn't even thinking about soccer he was thinking about the health and safety of his players and he wasn't prepared to get his team ready to play at this time he was concerned about getting his guys healthy and he was almost foreshadowing what happened just yesterday when we broke the news that they are they're withdrawn from the tournament. Yeah, that, that, that's a really interesting element. I mean, we've even heard the Indiana Pacers say things about um, not necessarily going into the bubble to, to win, but to kind of get out alive. And um, if we compartmentalize this, um, you know, from a sports perspective only, h- how would you say that um, others are reacting to whatever competitive disadvantage or, or advantage um, that this kind of brings to the table when you have a team that, that kind of gets isolated and, and can't participate. Like what is your sense and how viable this seems from a competitive standpoint, putting all of the obviously way more important health stuff aside? Yeah, I mean, no doubt. I mean, so we spoke to a couple of players yesterday after the decision was made. Um, and look, I think there was a little bit of, you know, just, they understood that this situation was what it had to be, but they, I think they almost kind of, kind of banding together as players a little bit and, and really felt for them and really felt for the situation that they were in because they don't want it to happen to them, to them, right? I mean, when you speak to a lot of the captains of the teams, they've really been kind of drill sergeants and making sure that their guys are doing the right things. 
and doing the right things to be able to play. But as far as a competitive advantage goes, I mean, look, the MLS is going to have to do something, and we still don't know what that something is, and we're a day away from the tournament beginning. <coughs> but Group B now only has three teams. Group A has six teams. So there's going to have to be some kind of realignment now, and it's going to have to come today, I'm assuming, because they're going to have to change the schedule. Uh, but look, I mean, if there's a competitive advantage, it's the fact that these teams, some of these teams aren't going to be able to train as much because of these positive tests. Nashville has yet to train. They're scheduled to play tomorrow. That's probably not going to happen. I reported that a couple of nights ago that the Nashville-Chicago game is likely to be suspended, the double, the second half of the doubleheader after Inter-Miami and Orlando tomorrow. Uh, so I think that's where it's more at, right, where these teams – are in Orlando in 90-degree heat, in 95% humidity. A lot of these teams aren't used to that. And they haven't even been, some of them haven't been able to train but once or twice since they've been here. I think that's where the competitive advantage goes or disadvantage for those teams that can't train. So let's transition it then to the NBA because, you know, the MLS at this stage, we've, always, we've been talking a lot on, on Five on the Floor for months about how the NBA was kind of a test case for the other leagues that – other leagues were kind of seeing what the NBA did because the NBA had to stop. And then, you know, the NHL did too, but Major League Baseball, NFL, college football, all kind of looking at the NBA. But the reality is in this case, the NBA is kind of looking at MLS because they're going in exactly the same place. They're doing it much the same way. There doesn't seem to be a, a big difference between the two leagues in terms of the way they're doing it, except you have fewer teams, obviously, as you mentioned. I mean, you had 10, now you got nine. NBA is sending 22. NBA obviously is a bigger spectacle than MLS, but still, I mean, this is a bit of a test case. Now that you've been there for a week, you've seen what happened with FC Dallas. You cover the Rockets in the NBA. Do you think it's going to work? Do, do you think that the NBA is going to make it from beginning to end? Here's my thing, and, and just from speaking to, to Malika Andrews, who's, who's in the NBA bubble, their testing is a lot different than ours. They are Their bubble – in my opinion, their bubble is a lot more um, – they've taken the bigger precautions, more precautions than the MLS has. MLS has uh, 26 teams here now, and the NBA is going to have all the all of their teams spread out a little more over uh, different complexes and different resorts. Uh, the testing is different. Uh, the testing, right, they're going to be tested a lot more often. Uh, their tests are a lot more rigorous than, than the ones we've been receiving. Uh, just for speaking to Malika, she gets – a swab in each nostril and down her throat a couple of times, uh, I think once a day now for now. And, and we only get the one swab in the nostril every other day and the uh, temperature check. I, I do think that the NBA is doing it right. The, the biggest thing I think that the NBA is doing that the MLS did not, and this is uh, really on the MLS players, um, the NBA is requiring everyone to arrive and quarantine immediately for a week. And the MLS that's what they wanted their players to do. But during the negotiations, the players association said, you know what? We don't want to be away from our families longer than what we have to. We won't do this quarantine. We'll do our tests beforehand, arrive, take our tests, and then get ready to, to quarantine here and then play. Uh, in hindsight, I think that they realized that they probably should have done it the NBA way and had a seven day quarantine here in the hotel when they arrived. Uh, because I think that there would have been a lot more time to, uh, to capture these positive tests and to make sure that they isolate the, the, the correct people and the correct players quickly and then have them ready, hopefully, in a week or two to start playing. 
And now that's not the case, as we know. The tournament starts tomorrow. So they, they kind of didn't do that the right way. And I think that there's, you know, there's a little bit of second, uh, uh, second thoughts there as far as the Players Association, as far as they're concerned. But the NBA, I feel like they're doing it the right way. They're forcing everyone to get there and to quarantine early. And uh, I think that that's the way to do it. The bubble way, I think, is the way to, to, to bring back sports now. I think that it really is. It just needs to be done right. That's really interesting to hear you say that in terms of the bubble being the way and a path forward. And we've talked a lot about how the Miami Heat just um, from a uh, organization perspective, from the structure to the discipline, that they would be a, a team that could potentially flourish in this type of environment where it could really be all about basketball if you can hone in on that. Obviously, there's a lot of curveballs were being thrown. But so just from your perspective, I'd like to know um, – who do you like in this scenario? Do you think that there are certain teams that are built for this better than others? And I, I, I really feel like that's, that's just a tough question just because we haven't seen – there's going to be rust, right? I think there's no matter what, you, what way you put it, there's going to be some rust. Uh, I think in all, in all the leagues coming back and all the sports coming back. Uh, as far as the NBA goes, I mean, look, a team that can get hot right off the bat and, and, and be able to – carry that momentum into what is the playoffs. I think that that's going to be huge. Um, I, I do think that e even though this is probably, well, probably would have been the same if we would have continued on the regular season. I think that the Lakers are kind of built for this, even with not having, not having Avery Bradley. I think that they are built for this type of situation with LeBron doing what he does and Anthony Davis doing what he does. I think that those duos that we've seen that we saw all year long, all season long up until the moment that the season was suspended. Uh, I think that that's going to come even more to fruition now when the, when the, when this uh, tournament does begin and when this, uh, regular, this, you know, abbreviated last regular season, few of the regular season games before the playoffs begin. I think that that's going to be key. Uh, I think that stars are going to have to carry them because, you know, we always talk about how role players feed off the crowd and home games. Well, there is no crowds to feed off of. So I think they're really going to rely even more on their superstars to really take in, take them forward and, and be able to have success in this tournament. All right, so let's talk about one of the Heat stars because I know you're familiar with him and obviously uh, familiar with, with people who are around him as well. We've made the case on Five on the Floor that if you're looking for leadership – during this particular period of time where it is all basketball, where it's a guy who can actually get his guys to focus and play. I would take LeBron first. I might take Chris Paul second. I'd probably take Jimmy Butler third um, of everybody in the NBA because he obviously won the trust of his heat teammates. He's got a lot of young players on the team who look up to him. And this is just pure basketball. That's all it is. And that's, that's him. Um, how do you think in particular he reacts to this environment? And after we saw what he did in the playoffs last year, how far do you think he can carry the heat? Yeah, I mean, look, it, it's really similar to what I was just mentioning with the, the MLS captains here, right? How uh, They're kind of motivating their guys, making sure they're doing the right thing and really having them focus on what they need to do on the field. I think it's the same situation with Jimmy in the heat. I think he's going to be the guy who is going to motivate his guys. If, if the guy, if a guy is down, if a guy is, you know, missing, missing home, missing family, you know, and, and in this situation, I mean, it's easy to have that. You can't really blame people for having those feelings. Um, I think he's the guy who's going to be able to motivate, who's going to be able to bring his guys together, have them focus, even if that means some tough love, which we know he loves to give. Um, yeah. I do think that he can carry them. Look, before, before all this happened, I was confident that the Heat, as constructed, if they played 
at the top of their level, they could have they could they could have been in the Eastern Conference Finals, and I still believe that. Uh, you know, pending obviously the the, the positive coronavirus cases, it, it, it is. And they have their full team, and they have Jimmy doing what he does in the playoffs. He can absolutely carry this team. I think there's going to be a lot of unknowns. Uh, you know, there are teams that we think, you know, before this happened, were, were a lock to get to the conference finals or a lock to get to the finals. And I think that that's kind of up in the air now. I think you can't say any team is a lock because we don't know exactly what we're going to get when we get these guys on the floor. And, you know, I put my money on Jimmy really bringing this team and putting them on his shoulder and being able to carry them all the way to the conference finals and, and then see what happens there. He's the guy that you want on your side, a guy who's going to just fight for you till the very end. And especially in a situation like this, where that the teammates, that's all they have now. They don't have anybody else or anything else going on. And when, once they're inside this bubble, so it's really important to have a guy like that. And he can definitely carry them uh, in this tournament moving forward for sure. I think Heat fans are going to be happy to hear you say that. I think a conference finals appearance would definitely be considered a successful run for the Heat, particularly with these circumstances. Um, but kind of to to head in your backyard a little bit more from a Houston perspective, um, how do you see the Rockets faring in this from uh, in the Western Conference? You know, the Rockets have just been such a Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde team this year. Uh, from you know, from what I had I've covered and what I've been around, <laughs> and look, I mean. We talk about the Rockets and, you know, you were asking me before, you know, what teams do you think can can have success? It, it's pretty simple with the Rockets. If they're hitting their shots, they're a very difficult team to beat. Uh, and, and for the most part, when they put up 55 threes a game or whatever it is, you know, if they're hitting even if they're hitting half of those shots, they're going to win. I mean, it's, it's almost impossible to beat them when they're hitting when they're hitting all of those shots. Uh you know, now we need to see just how motivated some of these players are. I mean, well, how motivated is James Harden in this situation? I mean, he, obviously he wants to win. Uh, there's no doubt about that. But this is a different situation where you're isolated for a very long time away from everybody. And I think that that's going to play a part in this tournament. I mean, guys who aren't 100% present in these, in these games, I think that that's going to be something to watch for. The Rockets are a team that I think, again, if, they, if they're hitting their shots and they get hot and they have the momentum, they can 100% be a team to battle with. Now, would I pick them against the Lakers? No. Would I pick them against the Clippers? Probably not. But I, I do think that they can give any of those teams a tough a – there'll be a tough out for any of those teams if they are – if they can consistently make their shots, which I think has really been their MO for the last, uh, for the last two years, three years. What do you make of the weight loss with Harden? Because we, we've seen this now. We, we didn't know how some of these players were going to come back. I mean, Jokic looks like, like <clears throat> he lost half of himself. Yeah. Uh, you know, other, I mean, Zion basically put on 25 pounds of muscle. And, you know, and Harden, who I think people thought might go the other way, I mean, yeah. he looked like Moses in the desert, okay? Like, I mean, you know, the, the pictures that circulated. Uh, but one of the things, we had Sam Amick on the pod, and – one of the things that Sam talked about was he said that he thinks what may hurt the Rockets a little is whenever you would talk about Harden as being a bad defender, the Rockets would push back and say, no, he's a good post defender, uh, you know, because of his strength. I mean, it looks like he lost, I don't know what he lost, fat, muscle, something, but he's a lot lighter than he used to be. How, how does this affect him, do you think? Yeah, I think that, 
that was his biggest uh, strength when it comes to his defense, right? His, his strength and how he kind of had the low center of gravity, even though he's about 6'5", he had that low center of gravity and was able – I mean, look, yes, of course, the, everyone's going to talk about how oh, his defense, his defense isn't good. It has improved. And, and when he has gotten against guys in the post, he's given them a hard time, even guys that are bigger than him, just because he uses the strength in his body – uh, to, to, to get into them low and get uh, and be able to push guys out and force them into into fadeaways and different type of, of tough shots. Uh, yeah, I mean, look, I, I was just as shocked as anybody to see him that he had lost that kind of weight. Like I said, I thought he was going to go the other way. And I, I do think that he is dedicated to do this and, and, and is motivated, and that's saying a lot. And that's also – it's got to be great news for Rockets fans just because if he comes in like that, you got to expect every other player on that team to say, wow, if, if James is doing this and taking this seriously, we have to as well. And But when it comes to defense now, you, you, I really have to wonder, is that going to – is he going to be able to body guys the way he does – he used to uh, and he has been doing over the last two you know season and a half? It's – I don't know. I, I can't really – when I saw those pictures, I was like, ooh, that's – I mean, he looks, he looks great. He looks like he's going to be very mobile and, and be able to get to the basket and do what he does, but – I don't know how the defense is going to work. And their defense has already been very, very, uh, very troubling for them, all, you know, during the beginning of this season. And I don't know how he's going to be able to recover. It'll be interesting to see, though, for sure. Yeah, well, and they don't have a big. And, you know, they got P.J. Tucker playing center. And now they've got James Harden, who looks like a point guard instead of looking like at times he looked like a power forward. Um, last one for you, soccer question. There is interest in Inter-Miami down here. And actually, they're teeing it up on Wednesday are getting back at it. Uh, what are your expectations? I mean, I know it's hard to judge with anybody, but I mean, does a tournament like this help them in some way? Because there are so many unknowns. And what do you see as kind of the future of, of that, of that club here in, uh, it's, I always say Miami, but it's not, as you know, it's commercial Boulevard. So in, in, in South Florida. Yeah, look, I think that the, this, what I've found pretty interesting and I, I guess this is kind of the cynic in me, um, you know, with South Florida and, and, and during this entire, you know, pandemic that we've been seeing a lot of a lot of stories coming out of Florida and coming out of South Florida haven't been exactly positive. Uh, I've been pretty, pretty happy to see that since they've been here in the, in the bubble, uh, they've been quietly gone about their business. They've had no issues. They've had no positive tests. Uh, they've been very, I've seen them around the, the hotel. They've been, you know, sticking together, following their protocols, not really interacting with other teams. And I think that that's, that's kind of a sign, right, that they are focused, they are ready to get on the field to play. I, I did speak to um, uh, Luis Robles, the goalkeeper and captain for Inter-Miami, just yesterday, and I, I asked him, I'm like, look, you know, after you guys lose a game, it, you, you know, it's that feeling of wanting to get back out there immediately. Well, you guys lost your last game months ago, and, and now you're finally able to get on the field. And he told me, he's like, we are jumping at the bit. We can't wait to get out of the field. We want. We thought we should have won that last game that we played, and we want to continue and we want to play in this tournament. And as far as that first game, I mean, what better way to start it than with their first "quote unquote" rivalry game that I'm sure the rivalry will that will be created against Orlando City. If they can get off to a good start with that team and get that momentum going. Uh, I fully expect this team to make some noise. Uh, I think that there's going to be a lot of rust, like I said, in all the leagues. And I think that there's an opportunity for them here uh, to make some noise, to show, show the world and show the country who, who they are. And look, I, I think that this is just stage one of this team. I, I do believe, in speaking with Paul McDonough, the sporting director of Inter-Miami, 
they're going after some big names and they're going to go after some big names this summer. And after this, the European leagues are over, uh, it's going to be something that, you know, we may see a big player arriving at this club sometime this year. Uh, and I think that that's going to just boost it up even more and give them, give them that power. But number one, first comes this tournament here and they need to have success here to show that they're, they're real, that they're true, and show other players in Europe that, Hey, I want to go finish my career there. I want to go to MLS and, and go to Inter Miami and play under uh, under Diego Alonso and Beckham and be able to have that success here as well. Yeah, I think what's what's interesting and promising for us and everybody else down here is we went through a real dry spell in South Florida sports. And now we've got everything starting at once. Uh, <laughs> you've got, uh, you know, we went dry spell in terms of success, but then also obviously everybody not playing. But we're going to have Inter, the Marlins, the Panthers in a first-round series against the Islanders, the Heat going up through the playoffs, two again into training camp, and Miami's got a quarterback down at UM. Like, all of this stuff is happening at once. And I do think yeah. some of these formats benefit teams like the Panthers, like the Marlins, like Inter, who might be underdogs. But I think the playing field gets leveled with a lot of these circumstances, and you're going to have some flukes. And I, I, the, one, the one I don't think would be a fluke is the Heat having success because I do think they're built for this. Their organization's built for it. Their culture, as we as Leif likes to talk about, is built for it. I'm sorry I used the word. Uh, their coach is built for it. Their leader's built for it. Their depth, their youth, plus experience. Like I feel like if they make a run, it's not a huge surprise. But I can see a Marlins, a Panthers, Inter. I mean, I can see any of these teams doing things we didn't expect just because the circumstances are so strange. I, I think it, it levels the playing field a lot. Um, for a lot of these. Well, Stefano, we appreciate you joining us. Follow him at Fusaro ESPN. He's the one guy in the MLS bubble. Um, I'm probably going to be up in Orlando and I'll land in, uh, in August some, but I've, I'm not going to be tier one. So I'll be, I'll be in the bubble. I won't be in the bubble, but I'll be at some of the games. But uh, thanks for joining us. We always appreciate it. Absolutely, guys. Take care. Thank you for listening to The Five on the Floor on the Five Regional Sports Network. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done.